diversity of narrative and also just, I guess, I find it really frustrating, not just that, you know, people like me aren't represented very well uh, in terms of when we look at, at cultural reproductions around, around queerness, but also the narratives that we see, you know, I, I would really like to see, you know, more stories that are a lot less to do with pain and tragedy and, and coming out and uh, abuse and exploitation because it's such a big part of the picture, but it's also kind of the only part of the picture that we're seeing. But furthermore, I would really love for stories like that to be easier, easier told because when you've got more representation of something, you're not representing an entire group of people. Mm. You know, La La Land does not represent white love in LA. No one's expecting. It doesn't? <laughs> what? Well, okay, listen, I wouldn't know. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> But my point is that I think that when you've got, you know, we've got so many stories of heteronormative white whiteness that that you can tell a story that's absolutely fucking crazy. And you're not that doesn't become the defining story of that explains whiteness. It's not the defining story that explains white straight sexuality and and justice and morality and all of this stuff. If I wanted to create this ridiculous, surrealist, morally ambiguous piece of work, then suddenly that is the story. And I get, if I have a platform to do that, then that becomes the only story that we have from the black trans population of the world. And that is a lot of weight to place on somebody's shoulders when you're making, when you're making art and when you're making culture and when you're contributing to our society. Hello everyone and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host Rai and if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible or wherever you stream your podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories, your socials and spread the word. It organically grows the show, our community and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before. And overall, it just shares the love. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, today's show features some of the cast from Sundown Kiki, a show I assistant directed on at the Young Vic Theatre last year, end of 2020. And the show was really profound because it celebrated and interrogated young queer stories constructed around the ballroom experience. And the rehearsing of this show was so much fun and so educational because we would talk about things that were like really serious from like, let's say our sexuality to being non-binary, to being trans, then to talking about, here's Hayley, <laughs> to talking about anime, Janelle Monet. So many random things, and that is what this episode dives into, because we get into discussing <laughs> gender, pronouns, sexuality, privilege, narratives you would change and embrace about queer culture and how it is to be POC in that sort of space. Your queer experience then of that someone who comes from a white or a privileged background, what would you embrace and change about the LGBTQ plus community? Now, this is part uno, part one of the interview. I'm trying to kind of shorten the episodes and that is what this is going to be. So part one of part two. And we're going to get into today's episode. So get those cuppers warmed up, get your jars warmed up, and let's dive into today's episode. Keeping it official, if we just go down the line and if everybody could just say their names and what sort of creative you are, I feel like everybody's a multitude of everything here. But yeah, why don't we start with Asa. Hello, I'm, my name is Asa. My pronouns are he, they. Um, I am a 
writer and an actor performer. Uh, that is kind of what I do in my professional industry. Do you want to throw it to the next person? Um, I'll throw it to Jasper. Yeah, uh, my name is Jasper. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, and I am an actor, poet, uh, director, producer, wannabe. Wannabe the last two. But <laughs> that's me. Um, I'll throw it to my main man, T. Uh, my name is Tatenda. My pronouns are he, him. I am a director, a writer, a performer, and a musician. Let's pass it to Afi. Hi, I'm Afi. Uh, my pronouns are he, they. I'm an actor and a dancer. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm gonna throw it to Angel. Hi, I'm Angel. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a writer, actress, and singer. I'm going to throw it to Jay. Jay, I had to mute you because you were like undoing the biscuits. So I'm, I'm so sorry. I literally, just as I was checking if I was on mute, I was like, I'm making a lot of noise right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, my name's Satanda. And... <laughs> so, um, my name is Jay. I, my pronouns are he, they. And I, I guess I'm an actor. Um, do you like musical acting, singing, voice acting? And things like that. Um, Jay, I have a question. Are you wearing like a negligee or like a velvety robe? It's very like. I'm glad you asked. I'm wearing. <laughs> a, I'm wearing a Fenty nightgown. <laughs> oh. With the with the fucking logo to prove it. Work, bitch. And I yes. Someone would ask the question. Did Jasper's personal shopper, by the way, get it for you or? Of course, I'm a star. This is public domain, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into anything, we're going to play a quick little warm-up game. Um, by the way, at the end of not this game section, at the end of like my second game section, there is a prize to be grabbed, a nice little £20 cash price, or it can be an Amazon voucher or it can be a Nando's voucher. I don't know which one you would like out of all of those three options, but that is to be one in the second section of the games. So starting with our warm up game, this is called the five second rule. I have not invented it. I saw it on the Generous show and I just kind of stole it. So basically you have to list three things, sing three things or do three things within five seconds. All right, kind of get the concept. Everybody will have a go, and then we'll all do it together. All right? Asa, you're first. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Asa, you are a massive fan of Janelle Monae, and Period. you love anime, right? Mm-hmm. With that in mind, in five seconds, name three objects beginning with the word... All right, I'll give you the letter, actually. Beginning with the letter A. Go! Apple. Um, oh, my God. Anime, uh, anime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, five seconds, five seconds. All right, Afi, you're next. Okay, Afi, you're a vulgar. You are, do you belong to the House of Revlon or am I just reading it wrong? Because your name is, yeah, uh... yeah, I'm a member of the House of Revlon. Okay, cool. And your um, stage name is Amani Revlon, or I need to, we're going to dig into more of that. Amani Revlon, however, with that in mind, in five seconds. Oh my God. Name three songs to come out of any of the Real Housewives of franchise. Ready? Go! Feeling Giovanni, Don't Be Tired for the Party, uh, Go in the Wind Fabulous. Yeah! <laughs> Why don't you do expensive? Expensive, expensive. We don't talk about Erica, she's going to prison. We don't talk about her. 
Tatanza. Um, I knew you as a beautiful person who changes up their hair color in rehearsals. However, upon stalking you, I found out that not only are you a talented actor, but you are also a photographer, a writer, and a musician. Um, make sure to go pl um, plug all of those channels, by the way, at the end of all of this. So with that in mind, sing three original songs Beyonce would sing while shopping at Asda. Go! Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's okay. It's all right. But but out of curiosity, if Beyonce was at Asda, what would she say? Beyonce would never go to Asda. Beyonce <laughs> would say, is this what the people do? Beyonce would weep for us. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Angel, your turn. Not only are you an actress, but I live for your trends, your fashion sense. And as you said, you are a single and you are a massive K-pop fan. With that in mind, with that in mind, name three ways of saying bitch, please, without saying bitch, please. Go. Oh, my goodness. Girl, bye, Felicia and honey, damn. <laughs> that was <laughs> Honey, damn. Can I just say, in all of this, I'm just looking at Jay, just dipping his biscuit, <laughs> just eating, and just... <laughs> Jasper, you're up next. You're a writer, actor, spoken word artiste. By the way, if you haven't checked out Jasper's um, spoken word pieces, they are available in a playlist on SoundCloud. Make sure to go check them out. Um, and you're also a singer. With that in mind, what three things would John Legend say if he just walked out of the shower? Go. Damn, it was cold. Uh, this floor ain't heated. Um, ah, Chrissy. Did you just say pussy? No, Chrissy. Oh. What are you, what's it, who told you I'm a singer? I'm just making that up. Yeah, you are. I'm just making that up. All right, this is our rapid fire round. Everybody, um, you're going to make a sound, okay? I'm just going to listing whoever makes the sound the first time, so make sure you're all unmuted. That's who gets to go, okay? All right, remember, 20 pounds is at stake right now. Oh. All right. First, ready? In five seconds... Name three Disney villains. Ah! Ursula! Oh, okay, go. Uh, Gaston! Uh, fucking uh, Scar! Does anybody else want to just take Jay on that, or should we move on? <laughs> go, Afi. Disney villains, right? Yeah. Ursula, Cruella, and... Fuck! Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> fuck does not constitute ah! a yeah. Well done, well yeah. done. We'll move on. The Joker, Next I don't know. <laughs> Is the Joker in the will in the villain? No, I don't know. Holy Quinn. No, no, I don't know. All right. Um, your That's second question. Ready? In five seconds. Name three types of flowers that only bloom in the summer. Go. Who's gonna go? Who's gonna go? Who's gonna go? Uh. Uh. Ah. Santa, go. Oh. Uh. Poppies. Uh. Tulips and. Uh, lavender. I don't know. If those are the three flowers that I could think of. Lavender is all year round. Does that count? Oh, only. Oh, damn. Only. Anybody else? Seasonal flowers. Seasonal Wait, flowers. Are you yeah. telling me that those other two were right? I think poppies, maybe. I'm not 
Tulips, sorry, yes. But poppies, I'm not sure of. All right, anybody else want to go at it or should I move on? I think that's uh, it. Two, uh, yeah. Go. <laughs> Tulips, uh, poppies, sunflowers. Could I say chrysanthemums? I don't think that counts, but sure. All right, second last questions. Three famous actors beginning with the name John. Go. Beth. Go, Asa. John Malkovich. Um... Uh, John, John, John Legend, um, and um, John Legend. John Legend isn't an actor, but all of yes, that. he is. Yes, he is. He's in La La Land. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay, cool. All right, all right. Last questions. This is all of your favorite. All right, ready? Get yourselves ready. Name three songs by all of your favorite rapper, Iggy Azalea. Go. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Since you went oh. to go first, you get to go first, Happy. Oh. Go. Wait, well, three songs by Iggy Azalea. Um, go. Work, Fancy, and Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking um, it old school. <laughs> can we just all take a moment to realize that Afi stands for Iggy Azalea? <laughs> <laughs> It's on the record now. It's on the record now. It's filmed. There's all the trap. There's all the trap, wasn't it? <laughs> I feel well, it feels like a gaslighting moment, personally. I mean, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Well, thank you for playing that for me. Um, I really appreciate that. Now we're going to get into deep, meaningful conversations of it all. And we're going to discuss um, things that just make us who we are. This, this new generational mindset of pronouns, gender identity, um, sexuality, because I think everybody's gen- journey is different. But for me, what I want to ask every single person is, how do you separate sexuality, gender, and pronouns? Or are they all the same? Who wants to take it? I'll take it. Go. Um, I mean, these are, I think I would call these like gender and pronouns, I think are fairly like they're in the same sort of bucket, but I would, you know, sort of initially create a separation between sexuality and gender because gender is all about sort of, you know, the way that you feel both physiologically and, you know, sort of psychologically, it's, it's mind, body, spirit, you know, a very holistic sense of where you see, you know, you fit between this spectrum. I mean, we've got a a spectrum between, for instance, like the the masculine and the feminine, which is sort of a a bit of a frustrating binary, but it is the way the world works. And that's just, that's, it's as simple as that. And I think that you can place yourself, even if you're a cis man, you know, a cisgendered man or a cisgendered woman, you can still be somewhere, you know, on this scale. You can be a very, very masculine woman or a very, very feminine man and still consider yourself a cisgendered man or woman um but i think that you know and then pronouns for instance you know sort of are just about you know how how you want to be referred and and you can be a cis man and be like yeah you can call me they and that's fine and that's comfortable you don't have to be non-binary to use they them pronouns for instance but you know for me being a trans masculine person i you know i sort of went through a whole journey of like before it was like oh yeah sure i'm comfortable being you know i was assigned female at birth and i was like yeah that's chill then that became much less chill and then i sort of i had a sort of bridging moment that isn't like that's not the only time that non-binary identities exist but for me i decided that i definitely wasn't a woman first and the term non-binary was really useful for me in that moment and so i started going by she they pronouns and then i in that 
moment I said, I was, she started feeling really uncomfortable. So even though I wasn't like, oh, you know, I still felt pretty feminine, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm they, they, them pronouns. And then I started feeling like, actually, you know, I'm making all of these changes, but I still feel like I'm much more on the masculine end of the spectrum. So how about he, they? And then it just became he, him. And but so for me, my gender identity, as I came to terms with it, my pronouns evolved with me in that journey. But I think that I was a trans man for a lot more of the time than I was necessarily like acknowledging, certainly publicly, let alone privately. But yeah, those those operate separately, whereas sexuality, on the other hand, is more just about sexual and romantic attraction, actually just sexual attraction. Your romantic attraction can be something completely different. Um, is, you know, sort of like, it is a whole new world. I think like our generation like this, like we're, we're sort of really opening up what these terms actually mean and not taking them in a prepackaged form, which is really exciting, but it does lead to, I think, sometimes hyper categorization. Like we don't want to be placing boxes everywhere, but I do think that it is like using new words to open up these big boxes that we've been placed in. Um, but yeah, sexuality and gender are, 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 are separate, separate entities entirely. Um, that's, that's how I would say it. Uh, I guess I hold quite similar views. I would say that for, uh, I find that pronouns, you know, people outside of queer spaces can often find, you know, non-binary, they, them to be like, okay, well, those are the only people who feel like in between masculine and feminine. But even me, I'm like a cis woman. I use she, her pronouns, like, that's what I feel comfortable with. But I do have days where I feel more masculine, other days where I feel extremely feminine. So I feel like there is obviously still more of a spectrum with gender than pronouns can always allow, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then even, you know, sexuality, it's different for, obviously, oh, it sounds so basic, each person. But, like, I think fluidity is, like, a thing I feel like connects both gender and sexuality really well, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my input. Jasper or Jay? Yeah, um, I think that to one of the generational thing as well, it's just, I've forgotten what play I was reading the other day and they were like referring, using the word transvestite loads. Oh no, that was it. It was um, a, a sad tale of the death of Queens, Tennessee Williams. Mm -hmm. I might have lost the title, but they talk about this character being a transvestite constantly. And, and I was discussing with my director, who's, who's also queer, about what do they mean by that? Because I, we can't even interpret, you know, we can try and interpret, but really we don't know what like, Tennessee meant by that writing. We can, we can take a guess, but there's, you know, the language we use has evolved to the point where some things we go, do you know what, this is problematic for a reason, or this is now reductive, or this is invalidates. You know, there's a term like, when I was about, I don't know, 14, I think I was using the term heteroflexible. That's, I've never Yeah, it makes me want to throw up now when I like <laughs> say it, because well, I, I literally can't even remember where I heard this word. And I was like, oh, that's like, that's perfect. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like implies fluidity. And then I was like, talking to my like, proudly bisexual friend and was like, oh shit, I feel like this word really just shits on everything you're talking to me about and really invalidates that for you. Cause I'm basically being like, oh no, I can, I can choose. Like I still have the, the privilege of the word hetero in there. So I can call myself that, but then also, I don't know. And we spoke a lot about that. And I was like, do you know what? 
that word's disgusting. Like that's for me, not to put that on your mouth. For me, I don't like that word in my mouth or in my ears um, anymore. And I, but I think that was just with my growth of that. And and things will always evolve and change as we learn and understand that it's not even the spectrum that we acknowledge is there's stops along the way that we haven't like no one fits into like one label mm. I, I truly believe that you can't even people that proudly say they're gay or proudly say they're this there's no like one term which is why people sometimes you know like angel said you know pronouns can don't always keep up with one thing and we can use all sorts and i think at the end of the day that's why i just stuck with saying like if someone asked me i'd say i'm just jasper if you've got questions like you will know if i'm interested in you sexually or romantically or anything <laughs> <laughs> so you know I mean? it, that that was that was my whole thing I was, I was just like why should i you know you're out or like you're a friend like your friends are trying to introduce you and they're trying to like, like set you up oh oh jasper's and i'm just like single that's what i am like if, do you know what i mean it's instead of having to go like oh yeah i'm by like signaling two people you just mm. go like my name's jasper if we get on like and that helped me a lot with kind of forming organic relationships within the queer community, as opposed to, I think, sometimes, especially like I grew up in Brighton, like some people that hook on to words and labels early can get themselves in like rabbit holes. And, you know, and, and not just in terms of personal identity, but also quite literal. Some some people in the community, like, you know, they're, they're not going to be upholding values that you want to uphold. Like, I'll put it that way. And, you know, it's, it's not always safe for young queer people um, that kind of nosedive in because they think they're being really confident and brave. So, yeah, I don't know. I've tangented a lot. But, but. Jay? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I'm on the same page as everyone else in the fact, uh, in my opinion of that sexuality and gender are separate. It's kind of, I like what I like as sexuality and I am as I am with gender. And with the pronouns things, like, yeah, I, I feel like, especially with our community, it happens very regularly of new terms and phrasings happening kind of like clockwork. Because when I was younger, I'd call myself metrosexual. Like, that would be my word for what I was. Yeah. Like, because I, I wouldn't know how to really explain it. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, I don't know what I am sexually, but I'm metrosexual. I'm definitely metrosexual. And then I got a bit older and then more words came out and Listen, and but when I even realized people said he they and then it's like that's anything of like that feels more specific to me because I feel like in this day and age there's more there's more terms and more ways to put how you feel and less questions about it because of that because of the specificity of it people don't ask what you mean by it and you know you have to kind of pry into yourself every time this or that like most of the time it's just kind of taken as it is but you can also personally have your own specific whatever, like turn of phrase, uh, pronouns, anything for yourself that just kind of helps you navigate or it helps me navigate personally. Asa? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I don't know. Yeah, they're separate. For me, they're separate. Like, I'm my sexuality and my gender expression and identity is that, I mean, for some people, they're two in the same, but like, for me, they're quite separate. I feel like everything that I would uh, that I would say has already been said, so I don't want to repeat things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, they're 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 separate for me, but um, they often and sometimes they feel quite closely interlinked. But that's just because of the conversations that both of them that both of those topics usually happen around the the same sort of conversations and come out the same mouths, which is nice. I feel 
especially apart from when it comes out the wrong mouths. That's what we're yeah. gonna fight. But yeah, I think. I mean, to be fair, everyone said what I was thinking yeah. as well. Um, but the only thing I could add is the dialogue within society at the moment when it comes to pronouns feels like there's a sense that everyone thinks that your pronoun is your gender. Um, and a lot of what I find in my experience, and a lot of straight people, I sometimes can sense and also feel and sometimes can like clearly see that when I tell someone I'm non-binary or I see my pronouns are he, they, they will still see me as a black cis man. Um, and I think, yeah, I think um, that's why it's like, and I also feel like there's no point in memorizing yeah, memorizing every single, every single person's pronoun if you're not actually going to see that as a separate thing from the agenda. So I think that's kind of where the conversation needs to go next. It's not about like asking someone what their pronouns are, more about like having a real honest conversation with yourself about what gender is. My next question is whoever wants to take it, it's a two-parted fold, which is like, I remember, I think it was in my first rehearsal, Afi, you said, and it was really beautiful. We're going to talk about this in Sundown. You said you would like everybody to celebrate the fag culture and how beautiful it is. I might be paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of that. And you were just like... I said fag, it was probably me. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> but I, I, I want to touch up on two things because we talk about um, ethnicity a lot in Sundown. And I want to talk two things, which is... One, what narratives for you would you change about the queer community? Which ones would you embrace and what narrative you got? If power was in your hand, what would you change? And the second is, how is the ethnic queer experience, no lashing out to anybody when this is put up, but how is the ethnic queer <laughs> experience different than, let's say, the white or the privileged queer experience? Um, in terms of a narrative I change, and almost halfway through the thought, I thought like, well, I wouldn't really change it because it's not really like that, depending on who you talk to. Mm -hmm. But to kind of, and also to get rid of the mindset of people who do think of them as different is to get rid of the difference between kind of bi and pan. Because I, as a bi person and my, like a friend who is pan, usually think of it as the same thing. But then to erase this weird not of it of some people thinking about it in an exclusionary way and that kind of confusion and that haze to kind of just get rid of that weird knot of whatever that is and to kind of just smooth it out a bit so it's just less confusing for everyone involved people who identify as the people who don't yeah feel free to correct me as well because i might just be chatting out my ass <laughs> um for the for the second one i feel like in my personal experience anyway with the ethnic queer experience and the privileged queer experience or white queer experience i feel like it's uh it's more like lost you're just, just a bit more up and down just just airing out all my dirty laundry um because i'm just you know i'm jamaican as well without without a lot of ties to jamaica like physically to jamaica so it'll kind of be like finding my feet with that and then finding out my own culture and then you have this whole other beast of your sexuality and then finding your feet with that when you don't really have it a lot around you on tv or anything like that or in your family or in your home and then you're older and then your gender confronts you and it just feels all a bit more like a, a bit more like a hurricane of like where the fuck am i what am i doing i'm sorry can we swear on this yeah you can okay yeah so <laughs> like what the fuck am i what's happening how do i think of myself like how do i think what am i thinking this and that it feels a bit more confusing but i'd imagine in a more white queer experience it'll be there'd just be certain things that are a bit more set in stone that are a bit more easy to get or a bit more facilitated to you as well. 
a bit more easier to find. That's what I was trying to find. That's what I was trying to say. Hey, Afi. God, I kind of forgot my answer, but it's fine. Um, and one thing that I have noticed is different in like black and brown queer communities to white queers i don't want to say that they, that they don't do this but i can say that i just haven't seen it is that um ever since i moved to london i realized that like the black queer communities like for instance people that are, like the communities that i follow in like even if america in atlanta or in new york from the forum scene or even london all across europe for instance the way we look after each other like i cannot go on instagram or any social media any week and not see people really sharing like so th- th- their friends or their sisters go fund me or that they transfer the trans surgery they really look after each other take care of each other even when someone's homeless it's like that is for me i've seen black and brown queers and trans people show up for each other that way because at the end of the day we literally are like it's like my friend made this joke where it's like we're just like passing the same five pounds around to these go fund me's and it's all kind of coming from us um <laughs> I think that it's, I mean, it's sad, but it's also like, that is the beauty of strength of community as well. I can't remember your first question, but I also don't think I had an answer for it, so it doesn't matter. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Asa, do you want to go next since you're next in line? Yeah, I mean, I think being Black and queer is like such a, when you do meet or like, I, well, for all of us, I guess, like there's this understanding and like this mutual respect that we all have for each other and like, I don't think many, I don't think some white gays or some white queer people would really understand because we have that, we just all understand where we've kind of come from in that sense, especially when you've struggled with coming to terms with your sexuality or your gender and like that sense of reinvention as well that a lot of queer POC people have. And that's something quite special in the fact that like we can, well, it's a bit of a generalization, but we can can all kind of understand each other. And like what Afi was saying is like, passing around the same five pounds and like constantly uplifting our brothers and sisters in like a really affirming way even if it's just like a simple post or just an easy check-in or like when you go out to the club and you just see one of your one of your friends that you ain't seen in a long time and just you know uplifting them while they're doing their own thing in the dance floor or trying to get with someone you know you just that sort of uplifting nature and in terms of something that I would want to change I mean maybe this is just like my me from my from my 18 year old phase I would, I would quite like to change like that, this sense of, um, no, not actually, not from 18 year old. It being like a very white queer nav- narrative in the media and in the way that queerness and especially like the LGBTQIA community gets portrayed in, let's say like highbrow budget, really high budget um, shows and theater shows. Cause it's not necessarily a, an active representation of what the queer community is. I get really, I get quite frustrated with TV shows and, um, well, mainly theatre actually that gets, um, that is about uh, the AIDS epidemic because it's always, uh, mm. uh, it's, it always seems to be coming from the white narrative when it just disproportionately affected queer and trans people of colour in America and in the UK. And it's a bit like, you know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating it's just like the same white tears the whole time. It's like, well, you didn't also have to deal with the whole racism aspect of it on top of the AIDS and the HIV epidemic, which is completely so many things that um, though, uh, like our mothers and fathers from yesteryear had to deal with. Yeah, that's, that's something that I would, I would want to get rid of and something that I would want to, well, something that I would love to actively try to change to make sure that the narrative is somewhat equal, not just 
white lead throughout the whole time. So I think that sort of going off of like in, in terms of change, both what 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 Asa and Jay both said, I, I think like these are something that I'd like to build on because it's not just a question of representation to me in terms of the way that queerness is de- like is represented in 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 culture generally speaking. Not only do I want to see just you know, a little bit just truer representation, you know, like we mentioned, you know, the, the effect of the AIDS pandemic, like epidemic on people of color, but also like diversity of narrative. And also just, I guess, I find it really frustrating, not just that, you know, people like me aren't represented very well uh, in terms of when we look at, at cultural reproductions around, around queerness, but also the narratives that we see you know, I, I would really like to see, you know, more stories that are a lot less to do with pain and tragedy and and coming out and uh, abuse and exploitation because it's such a big part of the picture, but it's also kind of the only part of the picture that we're seeing. But furthermore, I would really love for stories like that to be easier easier told because when you've got more representation of something, you're not representing an entire group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, La La Land does not represent white love in L.A no one's expecting it doesn't what <laughs> well okay listen i wouldn't know <laughs> but, <laughs> but my point is that i think that when you've got you know we've got so many stories of heteronormative white whiteness that that you can tell a story that's absolutely fucking crazy and you're not that doesn't become the defining story of that explains whiteness it's not the defining story that explains white straight sexuality and and justice and morality and all of this stuff if i wanted to create this ridiculous surrealist morally ambiguous piece of work then suddenly that is the story and i get if i have a platform to do that then that becomes the only story that we have from the black trans population of the world. And that is a lot of weight to place on somebody's shoulders when you're making when you're making art and when you're making culture and when you're contributing to our society. So I think that, you know, that that's something that I would really like to change. Furthermore, I would really like to get us all speaking the same language. You know, it's that sort of thing like by pan, you know, like that sort of differentiation. We've got so many labels and we're playing with so many words and we're we're really breaking so many rules. But in that, I think that we do sort of lose sight of of what we're all what we what we all are and what we all want like for instance i recently was in a situation uh on on tinder with a non-binary lesbian who had come across me and you know swiped right or whatever and i was like i'm not sure that my gender identity i like i you know thank you but also i don't feel that the way that you are describing your sexuality is validating for my gender identity which sort of ties into what we were talking about before between like, you know, that bridge. And I think that perhaps if, and, and, and this person sort of explained themselves in a very eloquent manner, but it did, still didn't sit right with me. And I think that when we've got this sort of vast amount of difference, like it's important to make sure that we are still making ourselves understood to other people. Because while sexuality, gender, pronouns, all of these things are very individual experiences, nobody exists alone. And so we have to sort of, think about the way that we are sharing ourselves and sharing our sort of goals and our dreams and, and what we are looking for in other people in a way in a language that everybody understands as for being brown yeah it's just i mean it's it's an intersectional it's an intersectional layer that like just adds it just adds because there's there's many ways to for it to be difficult to live in the world and these are two you know when it comes to race and gender and sexuality race and and, and queerness like those are those are layers that 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 you know it's not going to be the same as the white queer experience by any means, 
Um, and that's and that it just spans so much. To be black and queer in a black community, for instance, is so different than being white and queer in a white community. But also like that doesn't it's just such a wide sort of range of things that are going to affect this when it comes to religion, when it comes to economic sort of uh, standing, when it comes to, you know, there's so many different sort of things that come into play. But I think that the the challenges and the joys of the queer experience across these racial differences are so, so different um, because because the cultural context is is quite vastly different a lot of the time. I had loads of thoughts while you, uh, you guys were talking as well. Um, a lot of them have gone out of my head. Um, already but one of them was things that one thing that I kind of wish was gone is it's kind of not on our community it kind of is but it's this expectation to like be so well read on everything sometimes mm. I, think, I don't know I feel this pressure sometimes and like also maybe it's my ego people not being like oh that was a good point you made like you had to put thought and time into that like well done that was an intelligent point like I just want to say something and people are just like oh yeah but that's your life so like whatever or even more time that's not my life that is just like oh yeah but you're a part of that so like it just comes naturally it's like although you might feel something you know being able to articulate things can take so long and also like people People even not in the community, not having patience with people really bugs me mm. sometimes. Like, like we were talking about, we've all spoken about how these journeys, and I think we can all acknowledge like our journey's not over either. But for some reason, like, this is a terrible analogy, but like in the same way you don't, you don't rush someone, someone's grieving process, like something that is so personal and so like only you understand your connection with this person that you are trying to find or that may have found you however what your relationship is with that and your queerness people are so good to try and rush you into that especially i find sometimes some of your closest friends can mm -hmm. be like oh my god so yeah so what is it let's go out let's do it you know okay now you said you're this you must like this and it's like well i don't know actually uh, it's just this the expectation side of things and i think um i've forgotten who said it earlier about i think it was affy about just getting to the point where we can have just honest conversations and check-ins every now and again and be like right like you know it's not as simple as just going okay yeah two words with like a forward slash in between and now we're everything about you it's um you know there's a conversation that needs to be had especially with your close friends that'd be my little like thing i would what i remind if there's any other ever any young like people that i come across in like education and they like feel something's there I like always just say just be like be kind to your friends and listen to your friends yeah. and don't try and rush them through anything um and then yeah in terms of other communities like I don't know I grew up like surrounded by white people um so it was like to be honest that like that there's there's no jokes we made out that that's just what it was and it was like it was so I don't even really have great cultural contextual knowledge to like answer that question for myself especially because I mean I'm solution and I only found out last year that I'm actually I thought it was half solution I'm actually quarter solution half Jamaican and then quarter Jamaican my grandma lied to me she didn't want me to know I was Jamaican for some reason but that's something else <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know um yeah. but yeah it's like so it's weird I don't have this connection with that so yeah, I was just this like brown kid that was like already brown in the white area, 
and then was like queer and I was like there's just so much going on I was just like <laughs> I was just focusing on staying alive like truly like and and you know that and that was it and I think a lot of people can resonate with that it's, it's just like you know in conversations like this I love listening to people's thoughts but sometimes I'm just like do you know what I, that, I haven't thought of that at that time, that just reminds me of like, I was just trying to survive right then. Mm. And and I know, like, I don't know who out of my friends or my circle will see will see this, like, but like, because I still have never formally spoken to my parents about anything to do with my queerness. I just don't see the point. I like, I, I just really don't. And I have a lot of trauma connected with my brother to do with that. So for me, I'm just like, yeah. Um, like, see what, see what they say. But yeah, so that's... Forgot what I said about the, the difference, but it's just yeah. I feel like a lot of people, if anyone hadn't commented on that already and anyone's watching this, it's like, I don't know the difference really. It's like mm, I haven't had much <laughs> much either. Uh yeah, I guess I would say for like the aspect of the narrative, I would like changed. I really think we don't even in the queer community in general, like asexual people are never really embraced or even viewed as part of the community and I always find that kind of disheartening as someone who for a long time and probably still even is like figuring out this kind of like sexual side of everything and I feel like that's just really erased especially once you've like come out of the closet or whatever and also that idea of you know coming out like you have to tell everyone you know unless that means you're not proud if you don't and I always find, like, for me, my just my opinion, it's, like, my business. I can tell who I want to tell. Like, if I don't tell people, it doesn't mean I'm not, like, proud of who I am or anything. I might not feel comfortable to tell those people. Or I just might not want to. Like, and that's mm-hmm. my business. And then I honestly have... I feel like I live in a completely different world to, like, white queer people. Like, I just cannot relate to them. I Like, I have white queer friends. I'm just, like, I don't... Like, I know we're meant to be, like, a community and we're, like, united. But I'm also, like, "Mm, the stuff you say just, like, doesn't hit with me. And honestly, this is, you guys are, like, the first queer community I've ever had. I've always been, like, really alone. I'm going to get fucking emotional. Anyway, I've always been, like, really alone dealing with, like, my queerness. And so, yeah, I just appreciate you guys. because i'm trying not not to also make it like a morbid situation where like oh for us like you know we're queer ethnic kids and like life doesn't work out because i think that narrative exists very much out there right um i think like we, we also should talk about like the beautiful things that happen within our community but like yeah go jasper yeah i don't know I would say mine. Oh, I'm playing those reactions. Yeah. People raising hands <laughs> virtually and just raise them actually. <laughs> or in um, Yeah, my mine went pretty. Like I, I vividly remember. I've forgotten who I described this to the other day, but I haven't spoken about this in quick succession. But like, literally, I think it was like year five being watching the year sixes do their school play and being like, I fancy Sam Ayres' brother. And I remember that I remember like watching him being like, everything about that man is beautiful. And in my head, I'm sorry, I should put on his first name. I'm sexualizing him. <laughs> but like, I was like, that man is 
I'm sexualizing him in my head. And from that moment, I was like, shit, this just got confusing. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I think it kind of just stayed like that. Like it was just, I like, I'm, I'm lucky that most, in terms of my career experience, like there's stuff that I was separated as my racial experience. Cause yeah, that was not what I expected at all. Like at all. But in terms of my career experience, I think, you know, I'm lucky. I say lucky. I get straight passing loads. I'm six foot two, quite muscular, cisgendered guy. So in terms of my career experience, in terms of being a victim, I'm well aware that I have a lot of privilege in the queer community about escaping certain situations that could be life-threatening in an instant for someone else. I'm just like so aware of that. So for me, I say from a point of very acutely aware of my privilege it, as a member of this community going like it you know I've been confused and it's been depressing it's been things I'm sure other people can resonate with but in general like nothing has spun me out or caught me completely off guard I've kind of just coasted through going like oh yeah I'm still kind of a bit confused I'm gonna figure it out and that's fine but go, like going back to what you were saying about like like did it pan out I was like no I don't think they I don't think there is any way for you to like think or like pan out how your queer experience is going to be because like things change so quickly and plus like it's a learning experience like I kind of kind of I kind of see it as like a second puberty in some sense like mm. you re you understand how your brain works instead of how your body's what instead of how your body wants to work if you know what I mean um but like I I never had any sort of like plan or wish or anything, but like I'm I'm very happy with like the way that I've dis- discovered myself within my my gender expression and my sexuality and like I'm very I'm very grateful for the journey that I've had. Yeah, it's been hard, but I mean like learning about yourself and having having rough weeks, having rough months doing things that you don't necessarily um, looking back on that you wouldn't necessarily do now that you're a bit older, maybe like a couple months or weeks older, you know, but like, that's a whole part of your story. And like, there's something quite beautiful in the fact that like, we, we well come out or have that first um, uh, thought in our head saying, Oh, that guy's really fit when you're in year six or whatever, or watching Brokeback Mountain many a times or having a massive crush on Russell, Russell Toby, which I did many a year ago um there was something about was him to say yes there was something about him and being huge it's in shoreditch by the way if you just want to like he's always walking around shoreditch of you course just, he is of course like, he is. yeah I'm, w- I'm way past russell toby now way <laughs> past russell toby. no don't how dare you i'm so listen i i am way past russell toby you may not be <laughs> i am and if russell toby's watching this listen He's a great human being, but I'm way past him now. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm to, I don't need you. I, I don't need I don't need no man. Come on, pussy cat dolls. <laughs> but like it's it's supposed to be a journey that doesn't you don't necessarily you can't plan. It's like there's no there's no right or wrong way that you find yourself. There is no, you know, end journey. Like I'm like discovering new things. Like even being within this, like within this company, I'm just like, oh shit. Fuck, like I can do this or like I feel comfortable doing this. Like I think like 
two, three years ago, me would be like, me in high heels. Well, that's, that's a lie, actually. I wore high heels when I was 18, but that was in the show. But like two, three years me ago, like I would never have thought that I would ever buy a pair of high heels. Or me like last year, I never thought I would buy my first skirt, you know? Or like me three years ago, I never thought that I would paint my nails because it makes me feel about that, you know, happy or comfortable. Like those sort of like little revelations and little, little like things are going, oh, this is me. Like I'm just slowly discovering myself. And maybe these things might go away because you may not find yourself liking wearing nail polish anymore, but that's the whole part of your journey. Like there's no, there's no end point really. It was always a constant, constant cycle of new things coming in and old things being thrown away. And I think that's just the exciting thing about it. On, in terms of the journey, I think something that sort of like struck me in everything that has been said so far on it is just that like, I just feel like there's not like, okay, it sounds, this sounds like a hot take, but I don't think it is. But I really don't think the queerness is that special in this context. I'm sorry. It's just like anything in life. When you were five years old, did you think that you'd be doing what you are doing right now? Be where you are right now? You know, there's no way to project what is going to happen in the course of your life. It's just life. Like, it's really just being a person who's alive. And I think that a queer journey, the only difference between that and any other journey in life is that it has to do with something that people aren't, like, societally prepared for yet. But ultimately, you can look at anything. You can look at your love life. You can look at your career. You can look at your geographical location, certainly for, for me, who's not from here. Like, you can look at anything and be like, this was nothing like I planned. <laughs> and that's certainly the, like, the case for my queerness. But I think that's sort of the thing that I learned specifically through my journey with being queer. You're just, no one's a mind reader. You can never expect, like, especially when it comes to being accepted or rejected or, you know, whether that's in a big way or in a small way. Like, I think that most of the time when it came to like, you know, sort of coming out or like operating as a queer person in the world, I'm often very, very surprised. You know, like I'm expecting to be surprised by myself because it is it is a journey and it's going to go places that I can't, you can never plan for. But when it comes to other people, I think there's so many times where the complete opposite thing that I was expecting to get as a reaction happened. And sometimes that is like a really pleasantly surprising acceptance by somebody Sometimes it's a rejection framed in the most comical way that it's like, well, thank God I'm a writer. I'm making a joke out of this. Thank you. Um, and sometimes it's like, you know, you're in a space where you expect to be accepted with open arms and it's just not even a thing. And suddenly that becomes the event of the, of the year for them. You know, you can just never, you like people come in with their own sort of experiences and their own little trigger points and their own, you know, relationships to queerness and relationships to you and relationships to, you know, their whole, their whole shtick. So I think that, that it's when, when it comes to sort of coming out and sort of, you know, that sort of presenting somebody with queerness, it becomes a lot more about them than it is about you. And that, I guess, is, is the thing that I've really, really learned about the, in the whole journey with queerness. I guess I feel like I'm not really equipped to answer this question because I feel like I'm really just starting my queer journey. Like, even though I, like, the first time I did something queer was when I was, like, 15, I don't really feel like I started my journey until I was 18. And she's 20. So she, she feels very fresh. But I guess one thing that kind of surprised me is like my mom probably knows everything there is to know about me. And like she was just super accepting. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I love this for me. But besides that, yeah, like no one knows jack shit about me. So <laughs> she's on the journey by herself. Wait, you're 20? I'm 20. She's the best 20 year old I've ever met. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> 
from the moment you realized you quit your gender identity and your sexuality um did your did your life up until now or that journey pan up just with the vision that you had oh my god so i think i had like two realizations that i was a bit um one of them was like super young i was like this is when i was in sweden so i must have been like seven um or maybe like yeah like younger six whatever anyway um and we were playing mummies and daddies and I what is mommy's and daddies? Oh no, it's always called like we know when you pretend to be a family. Is that a thing that we do in UK? Well, we did it. Yeah, playhouse, playhouse. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And I would always be like, I'm the mum. I'm the mum. <laughs> I need to be the mum. And like, <laughs> I know for a fact that I subconsciously did that because if I'm the mum, that means that I would have a husband like my lover would be a husband you know and like and even that I think I mean I don't know I don't know I have a feeling I haven't fully like processed this and I, and I can't say it's like a fact but I have a feeling that that was also me stepping into my gender as well at the time and not being super comfortable with being seen as like a man and playing that role um but I suppressed having any conversations about my gender until like I don't know two years ago to be fair <laughs> so um but yeah, and in terms of, and then the second time that I realized I was, I was one of the girls was my first ever crush was this guy from Tumblr that followed me on Tumblr that lived in Miami. <laughs> and like, just take a minute to acknowledge Tumblr. Yeah. Shout Does out to Tumblr, Tumblr still exist, by the way? I don't know. I think they like went downhill when they stopped letting people put porn on there. They still exist, but there's no porn on Tumblr anymore. Yeah. It's never been the same. Oh. <laughs> I didn't um, Wait, you could put porn on Tumblr? Yes! That was the main event. What are you talking about? Listen, I come from uh, a way where you had beer share or LimeWire lime and you had to Shout download... Shout out to LimeWire. You had to download porn, music, movies, everything through that. Um, so yeah, so that was my second realization. That was, that was, but that was, sorry, that was the time that I was queer and I had, I had the language for it. So that was like, what, maybe like 13 or 14? And I was like, oh, this is what this means. Da, 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 da. And they're similar to you because by that point, I when I was 14, I'm like, okay, I come from a traditional Muslim family. They've been very openly homophobic about other people. Um, I've literally heard my dad say at the age of 13, I'd rather have a dead son than a gay son. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so I knew all these things. Yeah, similar to you, I was, I'm gonna get kicked out. Da, da, da. I actually, sorry, I'm a bit long winded. I'm gonna try to like wrap this up. No, no, um, no. <laughs> I never actually got the chance to like come out. I kind of got outed, which you know what? In a way, I'm kind of grateful for it because I actually feel because of all the anxiety I had around this is what's gonna happen when you eventually tell them. I don't think I ever would have. I think I still would have been 24. Yeah, I, I don't know. Should have, would have, could have. I, I have a feeling I never would have told them, I think. Um, whereas my auntie took care of that for me, so shout out to her. <laughs> um, and and so, so I want to finish up with so they found out we had that conversation, and everything I thought was gonna happen, like, I'm gonna get kicked out, or like not to like, make this dark, but like I actually had like thoughts about like honor killings and all of that. I thought it was gonna get really deep, none of that happened. Don't get me wrong, my dad and I, our relationship changed that that day, and we don't speak anymore. But mum and I, she's still in my life. We literally, I was talking to her before I got on this. And I never pictured that. I never pictured that as a kid because I was like, the minute I tell her that I'm queer, I'm going to lose her forever. And yeah, I think, and again, because the, the smallest representation of queer Muslims is that like you're disowned, you don't have a family or you get killed. And it's like, and that's what you think is going to happen. But yeah, I don't know. I don't have to end this. So 
<laughs> that's how I'm ending up. <laughs> Jay? Um, I'm aware that you wanted to ask questions about our relationship to sex in general. So I was yeah. going to build on that later. But okay. a lot of my queer experience was kind of modeled off of that. And my relationship to sex basically started as saw too much too soon. Not in a like deep way, but just in like being raised with the internet as well. Saw too much too soon. So it also, aside from the weird stuff, it also kind of made me just more uh, inquisitive about everything and wanted to know more. Or like, say, me and my mom don't argue, but we butt heads and I always think like, well, why? You know, why not X, Y, Z? Why can't this, that, and the, this, that, and the other? Or like, oh, why don't you want me to get my ears pierced? And then it would kind of go on a thing where it wasn't really, it ended up being a thing of, it wasn't, I wasn't expecting anything to happen when I was younger. I wasn't expecting any kind of journey to happen. But looking back on it when I'm older, it's the same, like Satanda said, it's the same as any other uh, faucet of myself. Where I look back and I'm like, yeah, that tracks, that makes sense. You know, I look back at my first couple of crushes or in the same way that I look back at when I used to like uh, pretending to be a, a, a cowboy or something, where I'm just like, yeah, no, that tracks to why I like performing. And the same with that tracks as to why I like being queer. Like, it's all the same thing of like, I never, not once would I ever think that I'd be the same person I was a week after an instance of anything happening. But a week later, I would think, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it never, it was never completely out of left field but it always did make sense and also kind of like it it was the whatever the positive way to say uh, you know the analogy of like a frog getting boiled in a in a pot and it's like it doesn't know like if you drop a, a frog in like a boiling pot it'll jump out but if you leave it in and just keep raising the heat it'll just stay there who says this saying it, it's this saying of like if you drop a white frog, people yeah <laughs> yeah if you drop a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out. If you leave a frog in warm water and keep raising the temperature, it won't notice and it'll just stay there and die. Oh. I don't know if that's actually real. It probably isn't. But the positive turn on that, whatever the positive way to explain that is, is my queer journey of like, it wasn't any, there wasn't a, a defining moment, but it was just kind of always there or I was never really, thank God, I was never really punished or anything like that for uh, when I'd have a crush on a guy. In the, in the same way to have a crush on a girl. Like my mom, even with all of our attitudes and all of our hangups, always treated it as just like, we'll just generally be careful or just generally do that. Like she, if she would disapprove, it would be generally disapproving. Not because of who it was, it would be because of what it was or when it was or where I did it, a McDonald's cubicle. But it would be just kind of thing of like, it was, it was treated kind of flatly. And because of that, I just kind of stayed on a trajectory that only coming to the end of it, not coming to the end of it, I'm only 22, but going further along it, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I see a through line there. I think we've talked very deeply about our queer experience, but um, let's just say in a sentence or a word, what are some of the things that we would embrace about our queer experience or the queer narrative or just being queer? in a word or a sentence? Should we go down, starting with Jay, and then working our way back up to like Afi, Angel, Tatenda, Asa, and then Jasper? Uh, my sentence would be kind of my, my appearance and my expression is a thing that I embrace about myself and how I come across my queerness. All the things I love in my life are that come from like queerness, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and then, and then it's all just like joy happiness the, 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 the queering of joy is my favorite <laughs> thing of being queer the queering of joy 
I would say the sense of humor and the individuality. Mm. Mm. That's what I meant. <laughs> I guess the learning experience, like, you know, the opportunity to actually investigate something and keep arriving at new answers, that learning experience. Mm. For me, it's learning not to give a fuck about what people think about what you are. And that's on period. Can you just say that one more time? One more time. Mm. Learning not to give a fuck about what people think that you are. Mm. And that's on what? Thank you. No, honestly, that I was going to say something so similar. It's, it's, it's difficult. Some It's difficult a lot of the time, but it is just that thing about at the end of the day, I don't owe anyone anything and I don't need to validate who I am, how I behave, what I say I am, what I believe. It, well, once you once you're a part of being queer, that's just that's just it. If anyone's going to grill you on that, then that's their business. But my business is just knowing who I am. Can I quickly just add? Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. I also like, no. don't think that like if it wasn't for my different intersections, like yeah, like come from a background of being black and being queer and trans, all these things. I don't think that like I'm not saying like I'm an angel, but I don't think I'd be so compassionate and understanding to other people. Like, do you know what I mean? And that is something that like, yeah, being queer has given me. I don't know how to move on from that into sex, but we're going to talk about sex now. <laughs> so tell me your worst and best sex experience. Go. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Afi, he looked at you. Happy's like lying down and just like <laughs> I'm ready. Um, no, um, I think like what I want to talk about are like two points. My exposure to sex happened through the movie Titanic. Okay. And that led me <laughs> to believe, like, through watching porn and like having sex, it's two different things. And then sexuality within that, like the first time I had sex with a girl, the first time I had sex with a guy was like insanely different. For me, what I'm trying to, I think, pinpoint to is like, does the, does everybody watch porn here? Is that okay if I ask that? Yeah. Okay. Does that affect your sex life? And how has your relationship from your first queer sex experience changed to now? I just, I'm getting, the thoughts are going to leave me like really quickly. Um, I think that something that's really interesting right now is that like, there's no porn with trans guys in it that I find good anymore. So I don't see myself in any porn anymore. And it's just, but it's really funny. Like now I'm just like, ah, what do we feel like? What do we feel like observing today? Um, which is kind of entertaining, um, but it's definitely much more, it's more of a like removed experience, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't, I just realized you can't see my housemate moving around in the kitchen. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, he's wearing a cute little outfit. You're fine. Um, the other thing I think like the first, but obviously like my gender changed and like my first queer experience, like sexual experience with like as a queer person was me as I guess a woman with another woman. And obviously that's changed now. So I guess like, I mean, cause now I have a sexual experience and it is like, it's heterosexual, I guess. 
but like god please no one out me is straight because that would be just horrendous but i guess like you know um <laughs> <laughs> like i guess it, it's just uh, it, it's my entire the thing that makes sex queer has completely changed for me as i've transitioned so i guess that that's been like a really interesting experience but i think that now i'm definitely like it's much more making up the rules as i go like obviously that's true of all queer sexual relationships but now with the gender aspect like you know like it's it's just very much it doesn't feel like there is a rule book if anyone finds one let me know um it's 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 definitely just all like you know it's exciting it's inventive but it's also like i think there's constant sort of caution of like is this going to send me into the into like a dysphoric spiral is this going to make me feel very uncomfortable let's find out by trying um so yeah it's i think i i guess it feels a little bit more dangerous these days but also like definitely much more validating when it when it's good and when it works it's like yeah um <laughs> anyway, can i just say i have watched your um on hormones up until month seven um yeah, are you gonna make me. another one <laughs> like yes one? yes oh. i just have no days off so i never have the time to actually record them but i'm definitely gonna i'm now 10 months on testosterone the last video i recorded was seven months on Damn. um yeah i mean you guys have sort of watched me transition in the last like whatever two months it's been um <laughs> My balls totally dropped like halfway through our rehearsal process, and I was like, um, <laughs> "But yeah, I, it's it's it's. I'm definitely gonna record more, so stay tuned." That's that's it for me. Who wants to go next and talk about sex? By the way, within that, can we also include um, the the perception of what like queer sex is meant to look like through the lens of like pornography and things like that? Like we're not all ripped. Okay, we don't all have great angles. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Afi. Sorry, Jas. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, sorry. But like, there's also this perception of what like it's meant to look like. And that also like fucks with like the body that you're meant to have and what it's meant to look like. So if we can also like, so and also how things are supposed to feel sorry like so many times yeah. i watch porn and it's like that there's no way you feel good doing that there's it's no not... way that feels good for you also i don't like like you dirty talking to me or calling me daddy i am none of those two things shut up <laughs> yeah so what was it my relationship with sex was basically like i was told everything when i reached a certain age like family stuff talk? huh did you have a sex talk? Is that what you mean? That's the thing. I didn't get a sex talk when I was younger, though. Uh, so that's why I would get, like, looking, Googling, looking at my mom's sex books, which she left out, but she didn't talk to me about it. She just had books. She the thing. I think the thing that made me fucking bisexual was she had a book called For Him and For Her, and it would be all kinds of positions, information, like very, very in-depth stuff about, like, why this position is good for this, who it might be good for, who it might not be. And it was really actually educational, but I never was spoken to about it. So I'd look for it. <laughs> I look for it on the internet or books or things like that, or anything that wasn't like a straightforward source. <laughs> so I'd just get like a warped fucking position. <laughs> can you, yeah, can you drop the link of the book? It's for him and for her. I'll look oh it up God, on Amazon it as the little blue book. I remember it's little and blue. It's actually so good. But, um, no, yeah, I got a very warped sense of sexuality. And like, especially being younger, it would kind of like, do you ever see those like, those memes where it's like, oh, being queer, you can't tell platonic, uh, platonic love for romantic and sexual. I had that for like the first fucking three quarters of my whole fucking life. Whereas like, I, I 
couldn't gauge it. The thing that helped, the thing, the, the positive part of it, like I said before, is also the fact of like, I did have like quite a shameful relationship to sex because no one talked to me about it. So I just assumed it was all taboo. So then it no one type felt more taboo than the other for quite a while. So I kind of got I kind of got thinking about a lot of different stuff when I was younger in a way that was kind of unrestricted because I was very ashamed of all of it equally. Yay. But um, to the point where and the re- and the point um, where it kind of did open my eyes where it was not that bad was when I think I was nine and it was the first time I had pleasured myself. And I like I held on to it for like two weeks until and my mom had night shifts and she was very, very tired. And I was like, I was eating myself up inside. I was going shopping with her and I was like almost in tears. I was like, how could she, how could she go shopping with her, her filthy little son? How could she be in the, the this hour with me? I, what have I done? And then like, I, I blurted out like, oh my gosh, I watched one and I touched myself. And she was like, Jay, I've had two other children who are much older than you. Like, I, I know it's fine. I know you probably have. <laughs> After that, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. I guess I'll just keep going into this and keep looking into it. And then when I got older, more like my brothers or my mom, would like tell me more things or we'd have more conversations and it just gradually leveled me out but it had like a starting point of thinking about everything all at once everything all at once and then kind of calming down as I got older you're so lucky I know you're so lucky wait by the way am I correct in saying that Angel and Afi were the only people who grew up Muslim or is anybody else here as well no all right I remember the first time I got a hard on, right? My mother it, like made it out to be that it was the demon or like this oh. like demon possessing me. So she actually asked the imam and I actually had to read this inscription every time I would get a hard on. Not a great thing. It literally. So I have, until a good solid time, if you're Christian or if you grew up religious, I thought like sex was evil. It's only meant to happen between a woman and a, uh, a man. And secondly, hard ones were like the devil just playing with you. Like it needed to pray away, like pray away. <laughs> so you're so lucky that you had such. I really fucking am. I, I owe it all to the fact that I had, I still do. He's still around. And he should be coming to Sanon Kiki. I don't know. He works in TFL because I was a man. But a uh, queer older brother. And so it was like the first time I had a queer sexual experience as well. And I like, again, just kind of like, I was older, but I just kind of like, I, I'm just going to say it. And I just said it to my mum. And then she was like, well, I mean, I've already had your brother. And he was very, he's very fluid. So, I mean, I, it's not crazy to me. Just as long as you're like with anything else, just be safe, I guess. You know, don't don't do it in public and get arrested and shit like that well it's kind of it was just seen as an equal playing field but all of it was kind of wary is your mom single <laughs> <laughs> yes newly Detender. i say go for it i'll give i'll give her your number i'm just asking for a friend you know i've got single <laughs> <laughs> it was it was oh the, the two things one because you when you said about like talking to your mom and like when when the first time I like, got hard on stuff. I remember my friend who I should probably stop saying names. I'm really like outing people. Just say, just yeah, don't. don't. I'll, I'll just let's let's call him Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when we were in like secondary school, so Dan is Mormon, still is. Has gone like gone on this mission. He is a proud member of the Mormon Church, and um, 
I remember him like in science. He was one of those guys who was quite laddie, and everything was about sex. Like, everything it was always like, yeah, news, like laddie, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, but then at the same time, he'd have this like bravado about that. And then he was like very earnest about the fact that he'd had to talk to his pastor every time he had a wank. And it was like, that was his relationship with his religion was like, yeah, I engage in it not too often, but when I do, I, I have to repent and talk to my pastor about it. And I, I don't know, that just reminded me of that. I don't know, everyone's got different things, but that just reminded me of, I remember being in like year nine or so and like being on that science desk and him telling us for the first time and us like not, Actually, I'm censoring myself. We like laughed at him. And now in my head, I'm thinking probably should be more sensitive. It was like a religious practice. Like I need to respect like his life. But like, I remember it being so like outlandish for us because I think a lot of people in my school weren't religious at all. There weren't many people that were overtly practicing to my knowledge. Also just weird about parents being accepting with sex. Like I remember I used to work in clubs and this is definitely a point where my mum if you watches this, might have questions. Um, because I remember I What's would Instagram handle and I'll tag her. Ah no. Um I I would get back often at like 4 a.m. Like 4 or 5 a.m. whatever. And I uh, that was just my life because it was work and she expected it. And often I come back with friends from from the club and just general friends. But then I remember there being one time when I came back with a guy. And my mum like came into my room, which wasn't too unusual. And like saw me and this man in my bed, like both cleaver our tops off. And she and she she just straight away like friend zoned him for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she I remember being like, okay, yeah. So this it's is clock. Damn. No, but no, no, this was no, this was the morning after, like that she wasn't anyway. But that was the thing of being like, for me, it was this weird thing where like I know emotionally and like spiritually and all me, my mum would be totally like, like, say less about it. It's just I am who I am to accept that. But with sex, I find that's interesting with parents sometimes when they're confronted with stuff, well, and friends, even when they're confronted with talking like hetero, when I talk to my heterosexual friends about queer sex, you see their little like everything tightens <laughs> sometimes and they're gonna go oh oh you're talking about a, a, a penis and an anus and a who and but but then at the same but then if they're talking about oh yeah anal oh yeah yeah love what's your name porn up yeah yeah that's fucking shit man you know and it's it's just weird this whole relationship that like if you use like they them pronouns when describing like a sexual experience about someone else they'll have no reaction. But if you explicitly say that it's like uh, homosexual or queer sexual interaction, suddenly there's this thing on it. It's like, oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, I, I, I just find that like funny because I like watching people squirm when I talk about it in depth sometimes. And I just find that really pleasing, especially to friends of mine, like over lockdown, I realized I hadn't spoken to a few of my very, very close friends about like just me. And I remember just casually saying like about sucking a dick. And, and my mate, we were playing like with proper lads playing Warzone. And I was on the mic and said something. And I just heard my mate Ollie go, wait, what? Just, 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 just rewind a little second there. Can you, what did you just say? And I was like, oh, yeah. 
And yeah, that was, I don't know. I don't know if it made any points. This is just shared. This is story time. Story time. <laughs> Go on, Jake, before we move to Afi. Your just point was you stuck to deck. <laughs> point taken. No, but um, literally just building on that, literally the exact same shit happens to me all the time. Well, like, I'll be on the PS4, headset on this and that, controller in hand. And every time I say it, like, certain friends forget. I'm talking about sucking dick, this and that. And they're like, whoa, whoa, pause, Jay, pause, pause, pause. And there's a moment of silence where, like, oh, shit, yeah, sorry, carry on. Wait, question, why are y'all talking about sucking dick when y'all are playing PS4? And that's what happened. Because that's the thing, because people, like, when people play games, especially men, like, it's this culture of, like, saying the most vile or just not even vile, but just sexually explicit things. So then it's this like reverse Uno card when they're like, is this like homoeroticism in like lad culture that's so ingrained into it? They'll be like, oh mate, oh you fucking snipe that guy so hard, I want to suck your dick. And I was, and I, yeah. oh, and <laughs> step, like, <laughs> can you say that one more time? <laughs> you know, it's I, I literally have heard that before. People would be like. Oh my god, seeing Kill Street. Oh my god, fuck me now. Bend me over and fuck me. And I'm like, I would. And they're like, and then, and then they're like, and then suddenly they remember that split second. They go, Oh shit, yeah, what I just said did have homosexual connotations. Oh fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll take that back. No, I'm straight. Yeah. Y'all don't say no homo, no homo. Is that still a thing? Do people still it is, play it that? Is, but I don't let that slide in my group of friends. I'm yeah. just like, you said it. Like, say, you know, say it with your chair. I'm convinced everyone's. No one's straight. Straight is a fallacy. Asa, I feel like you play games. Do you talk about sucking dick as well? Like All the games that I play are one-player games. There is no talk mentioning of sucking dick while throwing pokeballs at Pokemon. <laughs> are you, are you d- maybe comparing that to Calm? Or what? I don't know. Pokeballs and Calm? No, 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 no. I mean, the intersection between sex a lot well like sex and anime there's there's, there's oh, especially when you get into hentai but that is not what i'm um how dare poker come catch a dick um <laughs> um but yeah um i don't really know what to say personally I have no idea what to say. But can I answer the question? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, like, from a lesbian perspective, like, (laughs) porn is just, like, so, just this hyper, like, obviously it's hypersexual, that sounds so stupid, but, like, just this extreme version, like, it's always, there, there is porn obviously made by lesbians for lesbians, that porn bangs, we love to see it, but, like, the porn that's straight men, what is just like and that was like my introduction to like lesbian porn and I was I didn't say it did actually like make me feel like oh maybe I am this way but it's just like what the world I feel like perceives lesbian as and that like then shifts to other forms of media like you know you see like the Miley Cyrus Dua Lipa music video Madonna Britney Christina like it's all these like just really sexual views of lesbians like we're constantly like having sex 24 7 like we just or it's either like you know the butch version like there is no in between and like as someone who was like sexually assaulted and like it was really like traumatic for me as a person so I like literally 
feel this like block between me and sex. Like I cannot do anything sexual with anyone unless I have this extreme trust with them. So I always feel like this extreme pressure that I'm not like a proper queer person because I don't have like a high sex drive. I most of the time don't enjoy the sexual experiences I've had. And it just makes me feel like shunned, I guess. Um, growing up, when I was like first day watching porn, I does anyone? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I'll give you a yeah. No, 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 no. My point is, I just thought when I first started having sex in my teen years that like sex was supposed to be like really performative. <laughs> like you know, um. in porn, they're performing. Obviously, they're they're they they are porn actors, and I always thought it was like. I, I, yeah, my way of understanding porn was 100% sorry, my way of understanding sex was 100% through porn because I didn't learn this shit in school I'm definitely going to learn it from my Muslim dad um, so the only way I like yeah like, like when I was 18 years old like my teachers were like Sean, Sean Cody and Ben Army and like all those sides and then yeah and I, and I did like a couple of years of having really shit sex and thinking this was this was, this is what sex was and it wasn't until like I managed I started man I managed this I started having I started having sex with people who I don't know like showed me the ways I guess it made, made me understand this is very much like the sex is 100 supposed to be about pleasure and respect and consent and it also doesn't have to have what's it called like a direction or a formula I think that's what porn teaches you that it's like sex can look like so many things Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I know. Basically, I'm still figuring out how to have sex. Because <laughs> someone teach me. <laughs> well, everyone, that brings us to the end of part one. I will be uploading part two shortly, so look out for that. I want to thank the cast for their time, for their generosity, and just having a good old giggle. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love. Because isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Some love. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. And now I shall leave you as I always leave you. Breathe in, breathe out. I must go. Which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted and I will sue. <laughs> Joking. Have a great one. And stay curious. Till next time.